Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Akev, the politics of memory. In Akev, Moshe sets out a political doctrine of such wisdom that it can never become redundant or obsolete. He does it by way of a pointed contrast between the ideal to which Israel is called and the danger with which it's faced. This is the ideal. Observe the command of the Lord your God walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with strings flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That is the ideal. This is the danger. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, laws and decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. These two passages follow directly on from one another. They are linked by the phrase, when you have eaten and are satisfied. And the contrast between them is a fugue between the verbs to remember and to forget. Good things, says Moses, will happen to you. Everything, however, will depend on how you respond. Either you'll eat and be satisfied, you will eat and be satisfied and bless God, remembering that all things come from him, or you will eat and be satisfied and forget to whom you owe all this. You'll think it comes entirely from your own efforts. And although this may seem a small difference, it will, says Moshe, make all the difference. On this alone, your future as a nation in its own land will turn. Moshe's argument is brilliant and counterintuitive. You may think, he says, that the hard times are behind you. You've wandered for 40 years without a home. There were times when you had no water, no food. You were exposed to the elements. You were attacked by your enemies. You may think this was the test of your strength, but it wasn't. The real challenge isn't poverty, but affluence. Not slavery, but freedom. Not homelessness, at home. Many nations have been lifted to great heights when they faced difficulty and danger. They fought battles and won. They came through crises, through droughts, plagues, recessions, defeats, and they were toughened by them. When times are hard, people grow. They buried their differences. 
There's a sense of community and solidarity, of neighbours and strangers pulling together. Many people who have lived through a war know this. The real test of a nation isn't can it survive a crisis. The real test is can it survive the lack of a crisis. Can it stay strong during times of ease and plenty, power and prestige? That is the challenge that has defeated every civilization known to history. Let it not, says Moshe, defeat you. Moshe's foresight was little less than stunning. The pages of history are littered with the relics of nations that seemed impregnable in their day, but which eventually declined and fell and lapsed into oblivion. And always for the reason Moshe prophetically foresaw, they forgot. Memories fade. People lose sight of the values they once fought for, like justice, equality, independence, freedom. The nation in its early battle, its early battles over, becomes strong. Some of its members grow rich. They become lax, self-indulgent, over-sophisticated, decadent. They lose their sense of social solidarity. They no longer feel it their duty to care for the poor, the weak, the marginal, the losers. They begin to feel that such wealth and position as they have is theirs by right. The bonds of fraternity and collective responsibility begin to fray. The less well-off feel an acute sense of injustice. The scene is set for either revolution or conquest. Societies succumb to external pressures when they have long been weakened by internal decay. That was the danger Moshe foresaw and about which he warned. His analysis has proved true time and time again. It was restated in the 14th century by the Islamic scholar Ibn Khaldun, and again in the uh, 18th century by the Italian political, political philosopher Giambattista Vico. But let me quote it in its 20th century formulation by none other than Bertrand Russell in his history of Western philosophy. Russell believed that the two great peaks of civilization were reached in ancient Greece and Renaissance Italy. But he was honest enough to see that the very features that made them great contained the seeds of their own demise. This is what he says. What happened in the great age of Greece happened again in Renaissance Italy. Traditional moral restraints disappeared because they were seen to be associated with superstition. The liberation from fetters made individuals energetic and creative, producing a rare fluorescence of genius, but the anarchy and treachery which inevitably resulted from the decay of morals made Italians collectively impotent, and they fell, like the Greeks, under the dominion of nations less civilised than themselves, but not so destitute of social cohesion. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu did more than prophesy and warn. He also taught how the danger could be avoided. And here too, his insight is as relevant now as it was then. He spoke of the vital significance of memory for the moral health of a society. All sorts of people have tried to ground morality in various things. Immanuel Kant grounded it on reason. Others based it on duty. Jeremy Bentham rooted it in consequences, the greatest happiness for the greatest number. David Hume 
attributed it to basic emotions like sympathy and compassion. Adam Smith predicated it on the capacity to stand back from situations and judge them with detachment like an impartial spectator. Those were all the attempts in the history of philosophy to ground morality in something. Judaism took a view different from all of them. Moses taught us that the guardian of conscience is memory. Time and time again the word zachor, remember, resonates through Moshe Rabbeinu's speeches in Deuteronomy. Remember you were slaves in Egypt. Remember how you provoked the Lord your God. Remember what God to Miriam did to Miriam, etc., etc., again and again and again. As Yosef Chaim Yerushalmi notes in his great treatise, Zachor, Jewish history and Jewish memory, only in Israel and nowhere else is the injunction to remember felt as a religious imperative to an entire people. Civilizations begin to die when they forget. Israel was commanded never to forget. The late Jacob Neusner, the great American scholar, once wrote this very powerful passage. Civilization hangs suspended from generation to generation by the gossamer strand of memory. If only one cohort of mothers and fathers fails to convey to its children what it has learnt from its parents, then the great chain of learning and wisdom snaps. If the guardians of human knowledge stumble only one time, in their fall collapses the whole edifice of knowledge and understanding. The politics of free societies depends on the handing on of memory. That was Moses' insight, and it speaks to us with undiminished power today. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition. Thank you.